Supported KXFM on 104.7. KXFMRadio.org. This disclaimer is a statement notifying listening audiences that any opinions expressed on our shows are not representative of Laguna Radio Inc., its management, or its board of directors. Hello, this is Craig at KXFM 104.7 Human Crafted Radio. I'm here every Saturday at 9 a.m. with Rainbow Radio, where we discuss the latest news on LGBTQ interests and discuss on this day in history. Every week I have a special guest and we have interviews. Again, Rainbow Radio, Craig, every Saturday.
Good morning, Laguna Beach. This is Craig and Rainbow Radio. And boy, do we have a morning lined up for you today. <laughs> First of all, the weather, it's <clears throat> the high today is scheduled to be 71 degrees. I did that myself. Precipitation is 0%. Humidity <clears throat> is 39% and wind is 11 miles per hour. And we're going to go through the week with uh, typical, but the highs are in the 70s or low 70s. Well, uh, towards the end of the week, it's going to get to 75 um, and 78. So it's going to be warming up, but uh, mostly sunny, um, a few clouds here and there. So it's fabulous weather for the next 10 days. How about that? Only, only in Laguna Beach. <laughs> so I want to thank our sponsors, Mike Johnson, Compass Realty, and um, Chris Tibbet uh, of Compass Realty. I have a couple of announcements this morning. I, I discovered this kind of by accident, and I think everyone should know here in the, because I, I think I should have known and I didn't know. LCAD, which is Laguna um, College of Art and Design, which is the, that's the acronym for it, LCAD. They have a gallery um, here in Laguna Beach, and they have on exhibition, see if I can get the address of the gallery. It's a, um, they have art, an art exhibition that ends uh, March 27th. It started February 3rd, so it's been going on. I did not realize. Uh, but it's um, a tribute to Sid Mead. Now, if you're not familiar with Sid Mead, he you're probably familiar with his work and you don't know it. He is a graphic artist that has um, a huge history in, in making, uh, um, I guess, an artwork that that uh, represents the future, modern um, science fiction, and a lot of the um, a lot of the movies. It's, it's, let me see. The exhibition contains a retrospective, more than fifty years of the artwork of Sid Mead. The art featured in this expedition exhibition demonstrates his ability to take uh, the concepts of today and translate them into believable and practical vi visions of the future. This unique talent earned him the title Visual Futurist. Um, Mead attributes his success to an astonishing range of creative activities to the premise that uh, imagination, the idea, the supersedes, supersedes technique. There are more people in the world who make things than there are people who think of things to make, said Sid Mead. And uh, he fortunately passed a few years ago, but uh, he is uh, world-renowned, and he is, his showing is here in Laguna Beach, which is very remarkable. Uh, so it's LCAD has it in their gallery, and the gallery hours are, uh, it's 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Wednesday, closed Sunday and Monday. And uh, unfortunately, I print this out, and it does not show the address of the gallery. Well, that really, well, go to, go to LCAT. I'm so sorry, folks. Um, I thought it, uh, I thought it was on this uh, printout I did, but it's not. So it's, but it's the LCAD gallery. It's in the Canyon, I know. Um, or maybe it's Ocean Boulevard for some reason. I think it's on Ocean Boulevard, but Anyway, uh, check out Sid Meets Art, and, and if you want to Google him first to get a taste of what his art looks like, it's very futuristic, very modern. It's really cool. Um, so that's the deal. 
Um, and other upcoming events on, uh, uh, speaking of Laguna Beach Pride, I, I like to get the events out of the way early in the in the show. And uh, we have a wine tasting fundraiser. That's April 23rd at Bridge Hall, which is something we've never done before. We're partnering with some, with Chef um, Justin Myers and, um, and, and Dora will be there, but Justin Myers is doing the food and we got some really uh, interesting entertainment. I can't release the name of the, of the group, but we have entertainment and food throughout the evening. It is uh, going to be, we hope one day, what uh, the taste of Laguna is for the whole community that this wine tasting uh, and silent auction is uh, to the wine industry, and we're featuring the wines of Baja, California. If you're not familiar with the wines of Baja, supposedly in this, uh, that they were, uh, they charted a path a lot, uh, a lot earlier than this, than Napa, Sonoma, Mendocino counties with their wine. Uh, Baja has a fantastic, um, I guess, uh, uh, wineries in their, uh, just south of us here. And Sunset Magazine did a really good little documentary on it. And if you can find that on YouTube about the wines, and we're going to feature those wines. It's going to be at Bridge Hall here in Laguna Beach. And again, that's April 23rd. Uh, there's VIP tables available. There'll be sommeliers there to explain the different varietals of wine. And uh, we're going to have a three... Um, a three-session pairing of uh, light bites to complement the wine. So there's food, entertainment, and wine. And what more could you want along with a few friends? And then we have the Sunset Bonfire coming up on May 14th. And that's always at Aliso uh, Beach Park. It's close to the full moon, but it's not the full moon day. I think the full moon is Sunday, actually. And this event is on Saturday, so it might as well be a full moon, right? And then uh, Laguna Beach Pride Festival is going to be August 4th. The location is to be determined. We haven't, we haven't sorted that one out yet. So that's the dealio. All right. Um, I'm going to jump right in. And we have a guest, Antonio David Garcia is his name. And I haven't had a guest for a while. I'm going to turn on the uh, phone. And he is dialing in right now. So let's see if we can get him on the phone here. David. 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 Hello? Nope. Well, I guess not. <laughs> Oh, here he is on the another line. Okay. Hello. Yeah, David. You're live on the air. <laughs> How are you guys doing in Los Angeles? <laughs> uh, can everyone hear David? Daniel, can, can you say can you say yes? Or Garza. <laughs> yes, I can hear him. Oh, good. <laughs> Good. And Dan, morning, a, a friend of mine, Daniel Garza, is also here on Zoom. I thought you were going to Zoom in, uh, David. I sent you on the Zoom, but um, I'm happy to have I, you here, I, however you can get here. <laughs> okay, very good. I tried to click the Zoom link, but it, for some reason it wouldn't go through. Oh, no. Um, well, uh, you know, I don't know. That's the big technical thing that uh, that hounds us all the time. I had a Zoom meeting this week, and 
uh, it was disaster. Unfortunately, I wasn't hosting it because <laughs> I've been there. And, you well, know, sometimes you have to say. I can try again or we can just talk on the phone, whatever. You yeah, no, this is great. Um, great. Sometimes you just have to say the show must go on. So I've been teasing everyone in the community as to who is Antonio David Garcia. And I think you go more by David, correct? I do. Uh, not not necessarily by choice. My parents called me uh, David uh, well, they called me Antonio David Garcia, but then they all called me David growing up or Dave. So it's uh, I like Antonio. I especially liked it when I was in Los Angeles, but um, I, either is fine. Um, because um, they probably, when you got in trouble, they called you Antonio David Garcia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, they did. My dad spoke to me in Spanish every time I was in trouble. <laughs> yes. So I, you know... Uh, a mutual friend of ours, Mario, has uh, kind of put us together. And I, when I started looking at your background, um, I wish I had such a resume, <laughs> David. <laughs> I don't know though; it might kill me. Look, looking at what you've done. <laughs> if you're, I'm going to yeah. embarrass you a little bit. I'm going to read a little bit about what I have here in front of me about, so that the oh, people know Lord. just whom we're speaking to. Okay. Very good. Uh, very good. <laughs> Antonio David Garcia is the executive director of Affirmations for his second stint after serving five years as director of policy and community building at uh, the Los Angeles LGBT Center, which is the largest in the, in the nation, in case people did not know. Previously, Dave also served as executive director of the Kalamazoo Gay Lesbian Resource Center, now, call, now referred to as Outfront. Before that, in various leadership capacities at the YMCA, David also currently serves on the board of directors at CenterLink, the National LGBTQ Community Centers Network. Dave first began his uh, fight for LGBTQ equality after being fired, and I got something I can share with you on that one, from his position as community services coordinator for the Schwartz Creek of Schwartz Creek and his attempt to start a gay straight alliance. Imagine that. In public schools back in 2000, that's certainly his change. After walking 55 miles overnight from the doors of the Schwartz Creek High School to the state capitol, Garcia delivered what he what would be one of many heartfelt, inspiring speeches. Over the past 20 years, David has contributed his dedicated efforts to improve lives and advance justice for all. I love that. Um, well, now there's more. Bear with me, folks. Additional accomplishments. This is what I'm saying. I, I don't, I'd probably, I'd burst and I couldn't do it. Additional accomplishments include being named Civil Libertarian of the Year by the ACLU in Flint, being featured in Dan Wong, Wogs, is that how you say that? Wog, W-O-O-G, Wogs yeah, book, Jocks 2, Coming Out to Play. Hmm, that's interesting. We'll have to know about that one. <laughs> Winning two 2009 Michigan Addy Awards for his film work and being named a student of the year in communications and media at the University of Michigan, Flint. In addition, Dave has completed uh, a full-length documentary, Fences, and is critically acclaimed playwright. His play, Candy Corn, Christ and the Convoluted Creation of Golf, debuted to sold-out audiences at a performance at the network in And. Ann Arbor and was named top 10 show of Michigan by the Flint journal. Where are you at the very, this very moment? Where are you calling in from? <laughs> at this very moment, I am uh, in my loft in, uh, in Michigan. In Michigan. All right. Yep. Well, David, where do we start? 
What no, you know? I let's start here. We we did have a, a conversation. Uh, I guess it's been about a week ago, and you touched on one thing that is a real current issue for you. Um, and it's something that that I hadn't, you know, I hadn't thought of, hadn't crossed my mind. And at the moment, I can't remember what it is, <laughs> but. Yeah. but <laughs> It's a it's a current pressing pressing issue. Um, sure. Do you remember? Uh, well, a couple a couple things. Uh, first of all, Affirmations is Michigan's largest LGBTQ community center. So we deal with everything from you know our youth group all the way up to our seniors and uh-huh. everything in between. And then when I was in Los Angeles, of course, I did a whole lot of public policy work. So um, wherever you feel comfortable starting, I mean, um, we could start with uh, our senior community, uh, which is one of our largest groups that meets that affirmations. I think a lot of times, a lot of times the LGBT community doesn't think, or certainly the straight community doesn't think about our aging uh, uh, seniors. And it's unfortunate, you know, many of those seniors lost their jobs uh, when they came out. And they certainly uh, many times did not have the same family network and safety net that uh, the straight community has. They yeah. lost those family units. That's so true. And then, and then as they get older, they um, oftentimes go into assisted living facilities that are religious-based. And so out of a fear of being mistreated, um, they go back into the closet for the remaining years of their life. And so one of our more important groups at Affirmations, and the same can be said for the Los Angeles LGBTQ Center that has you know, two facilities of 100 affordable housing apartments for uh, seniors. And of course, they're waitlisted. Um, The challenges that are facing our seniors right now across the country, and we need to do more to try to help them find not only affordable housing, but to do a better job training those assisted living facilities and uh, calling those out that are actually harming our seniors in their last years of their lives um, because of frankly, let's be real, religion. And I've said many times that the greatest threat to the LGBTQ community since HIV AIDS is the religious exemption. Just here in Detroit, you have a pediatrician refusing to treat a baby because that baby's parents are lesbian. And so when people tell me that this is just about wedding cakes or wedding photographers, uh, first of all, uh, that pisses me off too, because let's not pretend that those businesses don't uh, use our tax dollars for the sidewalks out front or for the fire trucks that come if that business catches on fire or for the police protection or for the Wi-Fi. And so if you have agreed to do business in the public square, I think you need to serve everybody. But it goes beyond wedding cakes. It goes beyond photographers. Uh, An example I just gave you in Detroit, and we are seeing all over the country medical care denied to the LGBTQ community, especially the trans community, and that includes behavioral health. And so you have universities that are, you know, especially religious-based universities, refusing to treat LGBTQ students because of religious beliefs. And so I think that we need to, you have adoption agencies refusing to adopt uh, to LGBTQ families, uh, because many of those adoption agencies are Catholic and and religious-based. So This is a problem that I think uh, is a challenge that we all face, but it is a great threat to our community. And where does it stop? Sure, we're the target now, but what's to stop a restaurant, a Jewish restaurant, from serving Muslims or vice versa, right? So this is a this is opening a can of worms of discrimination that um, I don't think there's enough focus on. And right now.
now, of course, we're the target of it, but it's a threat to everybody. That is, that is the issue you touched on when we talked was um, businesses and discrimination with because of religious beliefs that and I, uh, you explained it a bit when we talked, as I recall, I um, have had the fortunate um, opportunity here to help with um, the senior community in Laguna Beach and we have an organization called Club Q because the senior community here is called uh, the Susie Cube after the quilters who donated the major funding for the senior center here. So we have Club Q and it's seniors that are uh, LGBTQ seniors. And I had no idea uh, what you're sharing with me is, is uh, plays in right to my understanding, having for the last year trying to help and coordinate this group. And I'm just astounded that there are people in the group that are so closeted. They don't even want their name on a on the mailing list. Uh, they don't want, and, and they want to meet in person, but they want it to be very, you know, unadvertised and uh, to protect themselves. Um, and then we have one a person who's um, going through the chain, through, through a sex chain, and she now uh, comes to the events and I actually had her on the radio program as well. And it's an opportunity for that person to, to grow. And so it's very rewarding at the same time. It's very, um, it's very, uh, I don't know, disappointing, I guess that so many people feel that they can't really be themselves at that time in their lives, you know, sure. and you got to sure. think back that this is not new for them. <laughs> And incidentally, I had a, a fabulous corporate job. I flew all over the United States and did uh, set up a nightclubs. Imagine that, Mr. Disco, Mr. Lights and Sound. And one day they found out I was gay. And uh, within 30 days, I was out of there. And yeah. uh, after yeah. 11 years, and I love the job. I uh, And I was excellent at it, you know. But that yeah, didn't seem sorry. to matter. Money was not an issue. It was um, the corporate office was in the Bible Belt. It was yeah, the buckle of the, it was in Missouri. The buckle of the Bible Belt. <laughs> the buckle of the Bible Belt. <laughs> now that's right, scary. Yeah, that. yeah, I grew up in a small town myself. And, uh, you know, as you said in the intro, the very long intro, um, you know, I got the only time in my life I've, you know, it's kind of funny now because I can look back 20 years ago, but 20 plus years ago. Uh, the only time I was ever fired was from my own school district that I graduated from and then worked for and coached basketball and baseball for. And um, yeah. Yeah, all we tried to do was start an after-school support group for LGBTQ youth. And um, I wasn't out publicly at that time, but I told those youth, uh, those you know, high school students, that they have nothing to be ashamed of and I'll come out with them and we'll do this together. So, it seems simple to me just to have now back then we weren't calling them gay straight alliance nobody was using that terminology it was just going to be an after-school support group for gay youth and what uh, was it sanctioned to, was it to be sanctioned by the school high school or was it just a well i sure i certainly hoped so at the time i mean i was yeah. an administrator for the school so but the superintendent had other ideas and they said you're not going to do that and i said yes i am and they said no you're not and i said yes i am and Next thing you know, I'm I'm fired. So, wow. Yeah, no, I certainly understand um, that there has been a lot of discrimination. That was, you know, sure, it was 2000. Uh, it was 2000, 
but that's not that long ago. You no. can imagine what our seniors faced, um, you know, in their careers and in their lives and, and examples like yours. And frankly, we still see uh, people being fired uh, for sexual yeah. orientation and gender identity. And we're doing the best we can. I certainly worked in public policy every single day to try to fight that when I was in Los Angeles, um, the largest uh, LGBT organization in the world, by far the largest, the three times the size of the human rights campaign. I don't think you guys, I don't think the world realizes how large the LGBT center is there well, in Los Angeles. I've been reading statistics lately, David. It, it says, oh, now there, the studies have, uh, surveys have shown that there's uh, 17% of uh, the the community at large is LGBTQ. It's growing. Hmm. And I'm going, oh, I guess we're recruiting. And I'm going, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the gay agenda is working. <laughs> it's, it's working finally. And I'm going, no, I don't think so. No, I, think I it's right. just more people are just coming out. Exactly. Exactly. They're not afraid to be themselves at all. Right. It's right. Just, and it's you great. know what? Look, I don't want to be a daughter about you know being fired that was a long time ago. I wouldn't be where I am today had I not gone through those trials but um something as uh, you know just the other day i was i was giving a training to all incoming michigan state police officers and a training on lgbtq issues oh. now that's progress right yeah. I mean, that, that would never would have happened even five years ago much less 20 years ago so i'm talking to all of these new recruits coming into the michigan state police force and one of the things that we were talking about interestingly enough is um domestic violence, because domestic violence is just as prevalent in our community as it is in the straight community. But we don't talk a lot about it. And when police officers, if they're not trained, oftentimes they, when they come to a door and it's just two guys or two girls, they just treat it like a fight rather than the same kind of power dynamics that might exist in that relationship. And so to be able to talk to all, you know, to state troopers and say, be on the lookout for this, treat, treat, same-sex, intimate domestic partner violence, the same way that you would in um, opposite-sex couples. Those are important conversations that were never happening uh, before. And that is progress. We did a, we had a job fair at Affirmations. And, you know, at the job fair, you had the Navy next to the Air Force, next to the FBI, (laughs) recruiting from the LGBTQ community. Oh, I would cry. I would be... I'd be a wreck. That never <laughs> happened before. So so things are changing. They are getting better. And and I say to young people all the time, you know, two steps forward, one step back is still progress. And, yeah. you know, something like the election of Donald Trump was a huge step back. But it's okay. We're still making it. I mean, that yeah. wasn't okay. But we're still making progress. And we saw under the Trump administration things like hate crimes against the LGBTQ community rise significantly. And they're yeah. still rising. And yeah. so we have to prepare for that. You know, I've had death threats my whole career, but at Affirmations, when you've got people that are still outside of your community center picketing with, you know, God hates flag signs, that just happened this past a year. And then, you know, you get, you get, you get threats and we got to have the FBI in to do active shooter drills. And we have silent alarms throughout the building. And so there are significant challenges and what we see the violence against our community is real and especially against trans women of color. Yeah. And, you know, they're getting, they're getting killed. We read about it in the LGBT media. You've probably done stories on it, but the straight media is not really paying attention to this epidemic of violence toward the trans community. 
And so it is our responsibility to lift those voices and to continue to pressure our elected officials and uh, to do something about the violence against our community, which still exists, even if things are getting better. Yeah. I, I did, as far as the radio show, I did have um, two trans people on and one who had just started and it's very eye opening. And one of the, um, one of my guests had um, suffered some um, very serious physical damage as a result of a violent attack, attack on her and uh, as a survivor and boy, was it heart wrenching to hear her story and how she took those steps forward, as you say, from those, from being kicked back quite a bit. And um, so, yeah, I just, my hope is that um, with this medium, that there are people that hear it and it's helpful, you know, and you never know who's listening. And I hope that uh, people listen. And there are people listening all over the world. I do have people from Ghana. I don't know why the, the, I look at the demographics and they have a lot of stuff going on there. And and I do, I do talk about quite a bit, but one statistic that something like 33% of the nations in the world is still criminal offense to be gay and in some yeah. countries, it's pen, penalty is death. And right. even as much as this last week, there's more Islamic laws that are being enforced against gays in the in, the, in other countries that are they're they're stiffening them up, as what the article was about, and making them more severe. And I, I don't want to be an alarmist in that because we can't we got to uh, bring light where there's darkness. But um, I, I just mentioned right. because I think it, the message there is don't hesitate to do what you can be the difference you know uh, as much as you can uh in your own way that's a great that's yeah. a great point and, and in fact when i was in los angeles the policy director there we did significant work on immigration obviously in la you know you had lgbt folks coming up in the you know the so-called caravan uh from central american countries and right. where they their lives were threatened and when they got to our border, uh, well, frankly, when they they had to break away from the caravan because of the way they were being treated in a in a caravan of abused and neglected people, they still had to break away from that caravan because of the way they were being treated inside the caravan that was coming north. So, when they finally got to Tijuana, we we sent down lawyers from the Los Angeles LGBT Center and others for credible fear claims and and for frankly for food and and, sh- and shelter and clothing but wow. it, it drives me crazy when listen immigration is an lgbtq issue and i have never had more pushback than when i say that or when we send out call your senators or congressmen or whatever to um, to fight back against some of these anti-immigrant and, mi- and migrant laws especially under the trump administration during those days um you are right. Some people will get killed if they go back home. And what is our responsibility? Mm-hmm. What's our role to help those folks not get sent back to countries like Iran? When we worked very closely in Los Angeles with uh, an organization called the Rainbow Railroad to yeah. try to get LGBTQ people out of Chechnya when they were being murdered in Chechnya. And, mm. and again, I would implore your listeners to continue to support the Rainbow Railroad because they're trying to get LGBT folks in Ukraine right now into safe spaces. And of course, all lives matter in, in the Ukraine. But yep. 
I think we have a unique responsibility if we are leaders of the LGBTQ movement to protect LGBTQ people that are um, suffering. Because if Russia takes, if, if Russia occupies the Ukraine, Russia is no friend of the LGBTQ community. And so we need to help them. We need to help them get into countries like the United States and Canada and others that will protect them where they can have a life and flourish and thrive. And so while there are many, many aid organizations right now helping everyone in the Ukraine, I think we need to, because no one else is focusing on it necessarily, we need to protect the LGBTQ people that are trying to escape the Ukraine. Chesnia, um, there was a, a great documentary that was recently released about um, helping people in Chesnia. And yeah. it's gut-wrenching, but uh, there is also a lot of uh, media attention. Uh, in with, but I don't, I don't think it's mainstream at all. It's all, um, uh, all gay media, essentially, about uh, there is a great fear among uh, LGBTQ community. And there's been some incidents already that they're on the list as Russia advances into Ukraine, uh, and uh, they're targeted as combatants, and their their lives are in danger. They know who they are, and as gay people, because they've left most of left Russia for safe haven in Ukraine, and now <laughs> Russia's exactly. coming across the border. So. Exactly. It, it's, and one of the one of the top generals, I can't remember his name, let's call him asshole, that was murdering gay people in Chechnya was recently killed in the Ukraine uh, fighting for Russia. Um, oh, really? And I, tell you, I didn't, didn't lose a lot of sleep over that guy. But yeah. yes, it is a real battle and we, we need to do everything we can to help. And, and I know that at my center in Los Angeles and others, um, you know, we... we ask our donors to consider donations to groups like the Rainbow Railroad to help our community get out of there. Can you explain, uh, um, I'm a bit naive about the Rainbow Railroad and how it was organized and a little bit about it. I I, I share the name here, Rainbow Radio. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, They're an international group. And of course, they help LGBTQ people all over the world get out of um, countries like Iran and Chechnya and others. Um, and into uh, safe harbors. And so, you know, just Google them and look them up and see the work that they're doing. I think you'd be impressed. And um, I certainly have continued to support them uh, since we worked with them uh, about, you know, regarding Chechnya. Okay. Yeah. So so their mantra is to really be a lifeline for a lot of people, uh, LGBTQ people that are in situations that are life-threatening and uh, that's it's a, right. Uh, it's a yeah. chance for them to get away and get into a safe. Yeah, and they, you know, I'm sure they took their they took their name um, um, out of deference to the underground world here in our country during slavery times. So mm-hmm. they are trying to network around the world to to help LGBTQ people. And you're right. Um, I don't I don't think we I don't think we realize how many lives are in danger if if not being killed. Uh, certainly imprisoned, um, and you know both are happening around the world. But um, some, we're very lucky to live in this country. And um, I, that's what know, I keep saying every every morning. I see <laughs> this is my epiphany that I had myself. I lived in Southern California, my native California, and and I've lived uh, a pretty good life, except that one hiccup where I got fired for being gay from the Midwest. <laughs> 
you know. And, and, <laughs> All of the Midwest. <laughs> and I'm, I feel very blessed with it. So I started this radio program about four years ago. And I thought, well, I need some news. You know, I need something interesting. So I do uh, This Week in History and a few other things like that. But the process, Dave, for me is that I started reading uh, Altura, A-A-L-T-U-R-I. And they they combine all the LGBTQ news into one uh, news magazine on on the internet. And I so I start reading all the stuff all over the world, and, and it's stuff in the U.S., South America, and all it's everything. And all of a sudden, I just start realizing just how isolated in the bubble that uh, we're in here. And I don't want to sound an alarmist, but it is not a very friendly place out there in a lot of places, you know. And to, to this day, and and so I one point we should be very grateful for where we are and in our lives and uh, the culture we live in uh, because there's there's the multitudes that don't have that, and the other thing is that it also realize that there's a lot of things that can be done, a lot of work can be done to make uh, make it a better place. So. I'm going to take a sh- one. Sh- don't go away, Dave. I'm going to take a one short song music break and a station identification KXFM 104.7. This is Craig and Rainbow Radio. We'll be back on the other side of of John Lennon. <laughs>
Timely, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's great. This I'm is Craig and KXFM 104.7 Rainbow Radio here in Laguna Beach with Antonio David Garcia. <laughs> Boy, um, the words in that, every time I hear it, just hit home, send chills up my spine. Uh, no religion, yeah, I too. What John would be, I wonder what John would uh, have done had he not been killed at 40 yeah. years old. That's, yeah. that, I, that just adds to the Oh, to the weight of that song that he was yeah. lost to, you know. Um, I, I um, on a lighter note, I do think that, like, um, Be the Difference can be a lot of things. And <clears throat> even, um, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that people, I know people listen to uh, the program or, they listen to others, and sometimes the, the slightest little nod, the, the little affirmation that says you matter uh, saves lives. And we don't realize how far-reaching that can be when we do the things we do um, and how fragile some lives are in a, in a state of struggling with who they are and, and what's going on in their world, and especially today. And uh, because, because, like I said earlier, I think we are kind of isolated in our in our world. And once you start get looking under the hood and find out what's uh, going on in the world, you uh, have a greater appreciation and you and you want to help. You know, so I think that's true. I mean, <laughs> my organization is called Affirmations for exactly that. <laughs> well, that we've been around for thirty plus years. Well, let's hear more about what are you most, what, no, and I'm going to play the real interview. What do you call the most, what, what do you feel is the most, uh, the greatest contribution that affirmation has made? <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez. In 30 years, I, I, I don't, that would be really tough. It survived to, uh, for one thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. And through a worldwide pandemic. I mean, that's been very difficult for LGBTQ community centers across the country. I, you know, I serve on the board of Centerlink and there's 300 centers that are members of Centerlink across the country and, you know, Los Angeles being the largest by far, but you have many, many smaller, sometimes just volunteer run community centers around the, the nation. And the pandemic has been very, very difficult um, for community centers. And so an organization like Centerlink is so very important to to provide financial assistance to those centers um you know at affirmations we were never we were not in the food business the food delivery business until the pandemic and then wow. all of a sudden we're handing out thousands of meals out of the back of our community center people just drive up and they pop their trunk and get their trunks full of, of food and winter clothes and toiletries and, and whatever that they needed and you know we learned a lot about um Things like teletherapy. Uh, we never did teletherapy before the pandemic. We always did therapy, but now uh, we're seeing people all over the state of Michigan. We have young people coming into our groups, our youth groups, via Zoom uh, from rural areas all over the state and really the country now. And same with our trans groups, same with our senior groups. We never would have saw those people had the pandemic not forced us to put all of our groups, all of our recovery groups, all of our support groups online. 
Wow. And that learning process. So we're, you know, now that hopefully, please, hopefully, the pandemic is lighting up a little bit, we're never going to go back to the way that we used to do things because uh, it's we're, we're reaching too many people. We've got seniors calling in from all over the world to our senior group, right? So or our trans groups. So we'll have some kind of hybrid moving forward. So while the <laughs> pandemic was certainly a challenge, there were some silver linings. Yeah, I do. I do think I keep telling everyone this. So, the, so one of the major silver linings with the uh, retrospect of the uh, COVID was that a lot of people rethought what's important and their values changed uh, in that process, you know, and I think one apparent obvious thing to me is a lot of the food service people in the industry, they've been putting up with a lot of it for a long time and they decide that maybe that's not what I want to do with my life. It's not, um, I don't know, low pay and uh, they want to do more, you know, and I, and I think they weren't all anxious to run back and go back to and and be slaves to the the clock and all that good stuff wanted to try and do different things so and it's caused a lot of i have a friend who two friends who are, are therapists and it's caused well it also does a lot of help helps a lot of people sort things out it also bring uh causes some people to be overwhelmed with their issues that they've kind of stuffed away but um i think that's a good point uh, the, the art the need for uh behavioral health mental health therapy uh, skyrocketed for us, and I know that that's the case in Los Angeles. I know that's the case all over the country. I mean, oh, wow. We just hired our our third full time therapist on staff, um, and we're about to hire our fourth, and they are already waitlisted. Wow! Wow! Yeah. And this is in and this is in the office in Michigan. That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Now Los Angeles is also waitlisted, but they have dozens and dozens of therapists um you know uh, we don't we do a lot of what la does la just does it time 10 (laughs) 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 you guys are so big out there that i mean you know when i first got back this was this is my second spent uh at affirmation so when i got back they were in some financial trouble i i I left them in a good spot i went out to la for five years they got into some trouble financially so i came back because it's too important to my home state when I got back, we were at three employees, hourly employees. Now we're at 17. Uh, it's almost been three years since I've been back at 17. We're doing very well financially, but put that into some perspective. When I left LA, they had a $150 million annual budget with 800 employees in eight different facilities throughout your city. So um, LA is unlike any other, <laughs> any other organization in the world, frankly, and you should all be very proud of what you've built there. Right, close. Hey, I have a, a local um, friend here, David Garza, and he's um, been very active in the community on a lot of levels. I, uh, David, uh, did you have a question for David? Or Dan, <laughs> did you have a question for David? I was going to say, uh, I, I, Daniel, but you know what? Funny story is when I was in business school, there was a gentleman named David Garcia, and we were rivals, and they kept getting our, our cards mixed up, so I would get his report cards. And he would get mine. So every time I hear David Garcia, it just triggers me back to business school. So, but <laughs> I was like, David Garcia, how dare you? Um, Craig just did it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I was like, okay, so I'm not listening to the station anymore. Uh, no, I, I, actually, uh, I do. A, you can call me Antonio. How about that? Antonio, there you go. That, that feels so much better. Um, 
But I've been listening to you talk and, and, and uh, congratulations, first of all, of all the work that you're doing and uh, how active you are in the community. I actually just looked out uh, Rainbow Railroad and contacted them to do an interview with them. So I want them on my show. And I want you, I want you on my show too. Um, <laughs> in, in all the work that you do, um, disclaimer, part of the work that I do is I'm an advocate for HIV and anal cancer, particularly in the Latino community and uh, the LGBTQ community because we don't talk about butt stuff enough. And um, regarding health issues, in the community, things that we don't talk about. How do you handle that and how, what's your approach? Boy, that's a great question. And, you know, in LA, we, my policy team, um, we had two full-time people on the policy team that only dealt with health. And look, I'll give you a, a very important example that I don't think we talk enough about and that's PrEP and PrEP navigation and getting PrEP into our communities and especially communities of color, our own Latino community and the African-American community, particularly young men in those communities. And in Los Angeles, we launched, you might remember it, it was been a little while now since uh, we did, but we launched the Fuck Without Fear campaign. And we had uh, F-U-C-K and one of the letters was an asterisk, right? And that went up on billboards and all over West Hollywood and South Los Angeles and East, East LA. And that... <clears throat> Uh, generated a lot of press, as you might imagine. And, and of course, we saw the use of PrEP uh, go up uh, tenfold in those communities. Now, that's never going to fly here in the in Midwest Michigan. We used we state <laughs> dollars for that campaign in L.A., right? But that will never happen here. But, but I continue to talk to doctors here in the Midwest who don't know what PrEP is. These are doctors who don't know, and I'm trying to educate them. So that when someone comes in for HIV testing, whether that's at my center or anywhere in the state, if they, there's a tendency that if they test negative, it's kind of, you know, oh, good, I'll see you again in six months. And that's all that's ever said. Instead of, wait a second, do you know what PrEP is? Are you familiar with PrEP? And so we have a job to do to educate not only our, our gay Latinos and, and African-American young men, but the doctors themselves. And the insurance companies that don't always make it easy um, to, to, you know, get PrEP medication. So something like PrEP is extremely uh, important. Uh, HIV AIDS is still very relevant, obviously, to our community. But where we're seeing HIV rates continue to rise are in those two communities. And so, you know, Los Angeles opened when I was there. Uh, one of my offices was at the oil uh, East LA site. And so, and LA just opened a satellite office in South Los Angeles. So we have a responsibility to get into those neighborhoods and educate folks, especially on health-related uh, issues. I'm glad you brought that question up because it is so important and imperative for our community. And that's mental health as well. I think we forget, especially in your nice Latino community, there's this machismo bullshit that continues <laughs> Yeah. to keep us, I think, out of um, mental health. I mean, I, I'll be very personal. I, I re I have, I'm going through a very recent breakup, and that person uh, was violent and was arrested, and, and I haven't seen them uh, since that night. They were arrested, and I haven't talked to them. And, and I talked to the prosecutor's office because I didn't want them to have a record for their whole life, and I asked if they would just get some help that their record be expunged. And that's what, you know, and he took that plea and, and um 
my point is, you know, going back to domestic violence in our community with different, I mean, it's one thing to train on it. It's another thing when you're up against a wall, but that happened to me and for us to be, and so I, but I also love him. I still love him and miss him very much. And so I, for the first time in my life, was feeling very depressed because they weren't in bed anymore. They, you know, there was nobody to make breakfast for in the morning and all of those things. And so for the first time in my entire life, and, and, you know, I'm plus 40 now, um, I went to a therapist and said, I need some help. I'm feeling depressed and I need to talk this out with someone that has experience in this area. It's one thing to talk to, you know, my siblings who are my best friends, uh, my family, who I'm very close to, but to be able to talk to a professional who has seen many breakups over the course of their entire career. And when I say I should have seen some warning signs, they can say, you know, <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> like, you know, this, this is this happens in our community, and um, that perspective, that professional perspective, we would never turn away from that if it was a broken arm, or if it was a broken ankle, or if it was uh, a mechanic, or you know, go down the list, right? We would turn to the professional, and these professionals, um, and you know, if you don't get along well with the first one, or it's not a good fit, go just like you would go to a different doctor, or just like you would go to a different mechanic, find the right person for you. But don't be afraid and don't let machismo get in the way of seeking services if you feel you need to talk to somebody. And I've just recently done that. And if I can be an example to our you know, community of understanding like why I didn't do that for 40 years when I probably should have, but but have and it helped. It helps it helps me. So I hope it could help maybe someone else listen. Antonio, I I gotta say. Thank you for sharing such a personal uh, experience. Um, I think it it speaks volumes. Um, I see two things there. I think I, I think that uh, many LGBTQ people they're afraid to seek professional help, whether it's medical or or psychological, because of the the stigma they have, their own homophobic uh, feelings that they have, and. They don't want to explain to a doctor, you know, that they're gay. They don't want to explain to a therapist that they're gay. So they don't seek those things. So, um, and then, uh, so I, one, it's great that um, you is not afraid to reach out and 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 take advantage of it. And that, um, two, that I suppose that uh, you, you dismiss that fear. <laughs> For, uh, right. that so many people carry with them uh you know and i think when you ne particularly when you neglect uh seeing a professional uh, it exacerbates your situation whatever it is you know uh unfortunately I yeah i think that's probably true yeah. yeah and let's be real there are a lot of professionals who are homophobic themselves and so yeah you know uh, from the moment you walk into a doctor's office uh you know, to Daniel's point uh, with, with healthcare issues facing our community, if, if the forms that you're filling out are uh, the binary of male, female, I'll just use that as an example, and you're trans, from the moment you walk in, you're not feeling welcome, right? I mean, yeah. from, uh, I told you the LA Center, when I left, had a $150 million annual revenue budget. 80% of that is related to the one building over there in West Hollywood, in Hollywood, I'm sorry, that has, that's all medical services. So wow. because there is a, uh, 
a, a desperate desire from the LGBTQ community, especially the T community, the trans community, to seek medical care that is culturally competent oh, and wow. scientifically accurate. And so, yes, and that's, that's why. And I wish that we had primary care at Affirmation. Right now, we're expanding our behavioral health. We don't have the facility to be able to have primary care right now, but we have our eyes open and we have donors who are interested in potentially buying, you know, a new building that would be primary care for our community because there's such a need. And, and I'll say this too, in LA, while that is obviously an LGBTQ community centers clinic and a federally qualified healthcare clinic, a lot of the people that go to the LA centers medical clinic are straight because they don't feel judged. Because if they want to talk about an FBI <laughs> or whatever they want to talk about, they feel more comfortable coming to the L.A. Center wow. than their own doctors uh, you know, out in the community. And Are so, there a lot of people from out of the area that come there just specifically oh, for that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, especially from the trans community. I mean, that we had cases of people flying in from Dubai for wow. transgender care. I mean, obviously, they have the resources to do that. But the point is they weren't getting it in, the, in Dubai. So they were coming into L.A. So not only from around the your area there, uh, whether that's, you know, in the valley or, or wherever, um, but from all over the world. Wow. If well. I can add, there's a couple of things that you mentioned that I'm so glad somebody else brings it up because I've been talking about the machismo syndrome in the gay community for years especially with Latinos and people giggle when I say that because they don't think they can associate a macho attitude with being gay. And I'm like, it's part of the culture. It's part of the social norm. And there's some religion factors that, that play into it that do play. Cause I'm Latino, I'm 51 and I can definitely feel it sometimes pop up with my relationships. And, but I thank you for bringing it up. Now I really want to talk to you on another interview. But um, one other topic, and I hope you somebody else brings it up at the point, is uh, anal cancer. I'm an anal cancer survivor, and it's really important that we start talking about the importance that one in every 500 uh, people are diagnosed with anal cancer. About 75% of those die because they are not treated. And the reason it's important in the gay community is because a lot of the symptoms associated with anal cancer are also associated with sexual activity. And most doctors will just uh, brush it off as you're not using enough lube, you're being too rough, don't have so much sex, when actually it's anal cancer and we're losing a lot of gay men to it. So I think it's important to talk about that. It's an, it's an extremely important topic and it's so important, in fact, that I made a point to talk to my physician uh, to get screened because I, I was ignorant. I, I wasn't as educated as I should have been on that topic. And it's a simple screen. I mean, it was... It was no big deal. And I, I don't, but before I had started to, you know, Centerlink is doing some, some health link, uh, which is an arm of Centerlink, does some great work in, in the LGBT cancer field. And, you know, as you know, the rates are higher in the LGBTQ community for many different variables and reasons. But so for the first time, I had the screening myself. Um, but before that, before I had started reading about it, before people started talking more about it, like, like we are right now, it never crossed my mind. I never really even thought about it. And it was such a simple procedure. Like when, it, when, when the, you know, the test was done, I was like, that's it. That, that's, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, fortunately, my, 
my, my results came back uh, well, but but the procedure is no big deal. And, and every gay man listening should be talking to their doctors about test, you know, can we, to, to be tested? It's not that hard. And, and, um, in the same way that we talk about HIV testing and we need to talk about it more. Thank you so much, Daniel, for bringing this up because it is so important to our community. And I don't know the whole much, you know, the machismo thing is something that I've dealt with my whole life in my family, but interestingly enough, it wasn't from my father. My father was always one of my father and my grandfather were, were the two best men I've ever known. And they always had my back and they always kind of pushed back against that machismo wow. culture. Uh, but they, and thank goodness, because it would have been a thousand times worse had it been coming from my father or my grandfather. But I certainly thought from uncles and cousins and, and the culture, right? I mean, I was raised in a Mexican American Catholic family. I was an altar boy my entire youth, even through high school. That ain't cool, but that's what my dad made us do. So, uh, and and now, even though I'm so close to my Mexican American family, and I said, you know, my cousins are my best friends, my siblings are my best friends. I'm the only atheist in the family. They all still consider themselves Catholic, even though the Catholic Church has been so horrible to the LGBTQ community. In the same way that many of my pro-choice Catholic family members can separate the the church dogma from being pro-choice, they they think. Well, there's a lot of people that are pro-LGBTQ in the in the Catholic Church. All right, well, there's probably a couple pro-LGBTQ Republicans too, but don't call me a Republican. And I feel the same way about Catholics. Don't call me a Catholic, much less that I'm an atheist. And you know, I know we could spend an hour talking about that one. <laughs> you know, the Catholic I... Church's influence on the Latino family is undeniable, and so much so that even my pro-LGBTQ family will not leave the Catholic Church. I, I have uh, gay friends who are Catholics and still go to church, even though they listen to, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can wrangle with that personally, but anyway, I, I hate <laughs> to do this. I, it's it, my hour's over. Oh, actually I've, I've run bad, over. Right? We've, we've, I, and I, I could go on for a couple more hours, but I can't, <laughs> I, you well, know, I, the best I could say is I hope you can come back. And, uh, this is a great little trio here. I thank you, Daniel, for, for, uh, uh, joining us. Uh, this is great. I will record it and have it on a podcast. So that it's been recorded. I'll have it on a podcast for those that, that can do it. Um, again, I just thank you. And I hate to, I hate to cut this off. I'm just really getting into it, <laughs> but uh, hopefully right. we'll do we'll it talk again. And yeah. Daniel, I look forward to talking to you and thank you, Paul from the West coast. I'm going to go uh, get some brunch and some mimosas. Oh, that sounds fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for including me. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. <laughs> I love you both Thanks, uh, more than All my right. luggage and, and a lot of other things. <laughs> and we'll, we'll chat again soon. This is Craig on thank you. Uh, thank you. This is Craig on KXFM 104.7 Rainbow Radio. I'll be back again next Saturday uh, with more guests, I hope, and uh, we'll we'll carry on this conversation. Again, I uh, thank you so much to Antonio and Daniel for joining me this afternoon. Uh, and we'll be back next Saturday at same time, same place. Thank you for tuning in to Rainbow Radio.
KXRN LP. Laguna Niguel, Laguna, Laguna Beach. Beach. Member supported KXFM 